Good morning. It is so good to be together on the Lord's Day. If you're visiting today, we are glad to have you in our midst. We hope you'll stay around afterwards and join us again tonight at 6 o'clock. Tonight we're going to have a singing, and we hope that you can be a part of that. I have several sermons that have either been suggested or requested or questioned about recently, and I am going to try to get to these in the next few weeks. In fact, this morning falls into that category, but I have been asked about doing a sermon on instrumental music, one on the role of women, specifically speaking in Bible classes, some questions about uh, the defense of alcohol, and this morning, the one on lying. And so, in the next month, I am going to try to address all of these questions, so please bear with me. When I was a child, I was afraid of the devil. I can remember people telling me that, you know, if you do so-and-so, you will go to the devil. And that was terrifying. I thought that the devil lived in the ground, and I can recall my brother and I digging in the backyard, and we thought that if we would dig deep enough, we would find the devil. I believed that he was red, that he had a tail and a pitchfork, because after all, that's what he looked like on the deviled ham can that we had in the cabinet. You know, I guess it would be natural for a child to have some misunderstandings about the devil. But the truth of the matter is, most adults do not really have a good understanding of the devil either. In fact, there is a Gallup poll from May of 2016. It says that 39% of Americans don't believe in the devil. The Barnum Research Group said that two-thirds of Americans don't believe that the devil is a living entity. 62% of the people that they polled said that Satan is not a living being, but rather he is just symbolic of evil. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the devil, specifically one attribute of the devil, and that is the fact that he is the father of lying. Now, we're going to begin with John chapter 8 and verse 44. This was the scripture reading this morning, and this is the words of our Lord himself. He's speaking to the Jews. The Jews had said, we have Abraham as our father, and Jesus very stingingly says, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, I want to begin, and from this verse, I want to do a quick study, a quick compare and contrast of God and the devil. I put together this chart. On the left-hand side, you see the devil. On the right-hand side, you see God. All of the attributes of the devil come from the verse we just read, John 8.44. Notice that John 8.44 says about the devil, there is no truth in him. However, John 14.6 says about God, I am the truth. We read about the devil that he is a liar, and yet... Psalm 31 and verse 5 says that God is the God of truth. John 8.44 says about the devil that he is the father of lies. And yet Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says God cannot lie. We read about the devil that when he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. Some versions say he speaks from his own resources. However, John 17.17 17 says about God that his word is 
truth. Now, in light of this, it is certainly appropriate for us to ask the question, when a man tells a lie, is he following God or is he following the devil? And when someone suggests that it's okay sometimes to lie, is he suggesting that sometimes it's okay to follow the devil? All right, we have established the devil is the father of the lie, but what does that have to do with me as a child of God? What does this have to do with my everyday life? And so I want to make it practical. We're going to look at three points this morning and three questions. Each point has a question. Point number one is going to be principles in the Bible about lying. And the question is going to be, what does the Bible say? Point number two is going to be problematic issues about lying. And the question is going to be, are there exceptions to the rule? And point number three is going to be proofs about lying. And the question is, is it ever right to lie? Question number one, or point number one, let's talk about the principles. The question is, what does the Bible say about lying? Number one, the Bible says God hates lying. Proverbs 12, says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. Proverbs chapter 6 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to Him. And then we have a list of what we might call God's top seven sins that He hates. These are things that are morally sickening to God. And on the top of the list, the top seven things, lying is mentioned twice. Not once, but twice. A lying tongue and a false witness who speaks lies. Now, this is particularly impressive to me because if human beings had made the list of sins, we would probably put lying way down at the bottom if we even put it on the list at all. But God puts it on the top and He lists it two times. Ladies and gentlemen, if we are ever going to get a grasp on the subject of lying, we've got to change our thinking about this. We've got to start viewing it the way that God views it. Number one, God hates lying. Number two, God forbids lying. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 11, You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie to one another. Exodus 20 and verse 16, one of the Ten Commandments, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That is, don't tell lies about your neighbor. Now somebody says, Don, that is Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Colossians 3 and verse 9 says, Lie not to one another. Just simple, straightforward. Revelation 21 and verse 8, there is a list of people that the Bible says will be lost. Included in the list are murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters. And then in the middle of that list, the Bible says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. God hates lying. God forbids lying. Number three, God says that the righteous hate lying. Proverbs 13 and verse 5 says, simply, a righteous man hateth lying. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says that God cannot lie. That means that the devil is the father of the lie, but God cannot even do it. It is completely in opposition to his nature and his character. And then finally, number 5, the Bible says there will be no liars in heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 27 describes heaven this way. It says, And there shall in no wise 
enter into it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or makes a lie. Now, when we hear these principles, God hates lying, He can't do it, He forbids lies, liars will not be in heaven, I think we can readily conclude that lying is something that a Christian should never do. Those are the principles. Now, that brings us to the second point, the problematic. And the question is, are there exceptions to the rule? There sometimes arises situations or different scenarios that have caused some people to wonder if lying is always wrong, or are there exceptions? In fact, there are some situations that are so sticky, some people have begun to argue in favor of lying. Let's look at some of these problematic situations this morning. Number one, what if someone's life is on the line? Is it okay to lie to save someone's life? When I was growing up, the classic example that people would always throw out was this. They would say, let's say that you are in Nazi Germany, and let's say that Nazi soldiers come to your door, and they knock on the door, and they want to know, do you have any Jews hiding in your house? And if you say yes, you presume that they're going to be killed. If you say no, then you presume that you're going to save their lives. Some would advocate that under such circumstances, lying would be okay. They would say, surely, under these extreme circumstances, it would be okay to lie. But brethren, would you appreciate with me, listen to what I'm about to say. A wrong action does not turn into a right action because the consequences are severe. Sin does not change into righteousness because of a terrible circumstance. Or you could better phrase it this way, the ends do not justify the means. Biblically speaking, the principle is put this way, God does not permit us to do evil that good may come. Romans chapter 3 and verse 8. We can't do evil that good may come. That statement alone would tell us you can't lie so that a good outcome will come from it. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, the Lord said, Fear not them which kill the body. In this scenario, that would be the Nazis, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. That is God. In other words, don't fear men who might kill you, but rather fear and obey God for eternity's sake. Friends, if there were no other verse in the Bible, that would settle it. Don't fear those who kill the body, but obey God. This idea that lying is okay to protect human life, th this argument is faulty because it assumes that there are no other good alternatives, that the only good way is that you've got to tell a lie. Now, I want to take a little excursion here. We're going to change colors. And I want to tell you why this is a faulty reasoning. There's at least four reasons that this is no good. When people say, I got to lie because there's no other good alternative, number one, unless you are all-knowing like God, you can't know that. Number two, when a person thinks that way, he's relying on his own understanding rather than simply trusting and obeying God. Proverbs 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Number three, 
This type of thinking totally ignores 1 Corinthians 10, 13, where the Bible says, God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And number four, it presumes that life is more important than the truth. I want to read you a quote from a man named Vern Poitras. Mr. Poitras says, I want to raise the question of whether truth is more important than anyone's life. If the Lord tarries, we will all die physically, some sooner, some later. But life in this world, as valuable as, as it is, is not everlasting. What is our life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. James 4.14, by contrast, the truth abides forever. Matthew 24.35. He is arguing that the principle laid down in the Bible is that truth is more important than life itself. I want to share with you a, a real-life Nazi story. In the days when Holland was occupied by the Nazis, a woman named Corrie Ten Boom had two nephews, and they were wanted by the Nazis. On a particular day, the door flew open, her nephews burst into the house, they were being chased by Nazis. The family quickly took them to the kitchen. Underneath their table, there was a hole in the floor that was used as a potato cellar. They put them in the cellar, they closed the doors, they laid a rug over that, they put the table on top of the rug. Within a few minutes, there was a crash in the door. The Nazis burst the front door open. The soldiers ran upstairs. They began searching the house. Two soldiers entered the kitchen with their rifles aimed at the family. They demanded to know the location of the two boys. One of the young children in the house, she had always been taught that it's wrong to lie. And so when the soldiers said, where are the boys? She said, they're under the table. One of the soldiers grabbed the corner of the tablecloth and he lifted it. Another soldier aimed his gun and then in fury the soldier said, don't take us for fools. And they left the room. Minutes later the entire squad left the house. Now here's the question. What was the right thing to do in this situation? What was the right thing to do? Now, here's my point. When a person says lying will bring the best outcome, number one, unless you're all-knowing like God, you can't say that. Number two, you're relying on your own understanding rather than trusting and obeying God. Number three, you are, you are ignoring God's promise to provide a way of escape. Number four, you are assuming that life is more important than the truth, which cannot be supported from the Scripture. You know, there's a very interesting passage in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16. It says that we ought to be willing to lay down our lives for our brethren, that is, to protect their lives. It is very interesting that the Bible says we should be ready to die for our brethren, but it never says that we should be willing to lie for our brethren. You know, on one occasion, I was talking to a brother in Christ, and he was arguing that it's okay to lie to protect your family's life. And I asked him this question. I said, what if, in order to protect your family's life, you had to lie and say, I do not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? 
I said, what about that? He said, well, that would be wrong to do. You couldn't do that. And I said, why in one situation do you believe that God is okay with you lying to protect human life, but in this other situation, God is not okay with you telling this lie to protect human life? And he thought for a minute, and he said, well, that lie would be worse than dying. And at that point, I realized he was making this up as he went along. This was based on nothing more than his feelings. And so he thought, okay, dying is worse than lying, but that lie is worse than dying. And so it was just a scale of his emotions, which one felt worse than the other. And you can't support that from the Bible. So the first problematic category is going to be to save a human life. Here's the second problematic category. What about Rahab? Sometimes people go to various situations in the Bible where it is asserted that a person lied, and it's presumed that this lie was met with God's approval. There are several of these. Rahab is perhaps the one that I hear more commonly than any other, and so we're going to deal with Rahab first. But uh, there are several that you could cite. The argument goes something like this. Rahab lied to protect the Hebrew spies. Later, she is blessed for this lie. In fact, in the New Testament, she is justified. So how do you explain that? Do we have a case here where a person lied and God was pleased with it? Anytime a person gives a scenario where they appeal to the Bible to try to justify lying, the first thing that I say we have to ask is, did the person actually lie? In some of these scenarios, they didn't actually lie. In Rahab's case, she absolutely did lie. In fact, she tells several lies. The second thing that you have to consider is, is that lie actually condoned in the Bible? This situation with Rahab is mentioned only two times in the Bible. The first time is in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31, where the Bible compliments her because it says, quote, she received the spies with peace. There is nothing stated about the lie. It's not discussed at all. The second time that it's mentioned is in James chapter 2 and verse 25, where the Bible says she received the messengers and she sent them out another way. Again, the lie is not referenced or mentioned in any way. Her lie to the soldiers is never referred to in the New Testament. Brother Wayne Jackson wrote this. He said, the case of Rahab is an example of God honoring a person due to her obedient faith in spite of a personal character flaw. Admittedly, she lied in the process of hiding the spies, and that was wrong. But her faith and obedience allowed her to obtain pardon from her blemished history. It is for the former that she is commended. The latter is never sanctioned. And so what we have is, it is asserted she lied, and she did. It's asserted that God was pleased with this. And the Bible never indicates that such is the case. Here is another category I put into, into the uh, problematic. I called it walking in the light. Sometimes it's argued by people who are seeking to justify lying that as long as a Christian is walking in the light, he's being cleansed of his sins. And so if he, at gunpoint, slips and tells a lie and he's killed, that God would save him anyway. Friends, here's the problem with that reasoning. A person who is walking in the light is a person who has determined, I am not going to sin. A person who is walking in the light is consciously 
going to do what is right. He is saying, I'm going to please God no matter what. I want to suggest to you that that is different from the person in this scenario. Because this person is saying, I have predetermined that I will sin. This person has predetermined that if he's faced with this scenario, he will lie and that God will be okay with that. That's not a person who's walking in the light. A person who is walking in the light has determined, I'm going to follow Revelation 2.10. That is, I will be faithful unto the point of death. Here's the fourth one I put into the category of the problematic, and this is deception. How is deception different from lying? Now, before we discuss this one, I want you to listen very carefully to this statement and consider it. All lying is deception, but not all deception is lying. All lying is deception, but not all deception is lying. Let me give you some examples of this. Consider a basketball game. I fake like I'm going to go to the left, but then I go to the right. That move is deceptive, but it's not a lie. I want you to consider a magic show. Magic, in its most basic form, is a game of sleight of hand. It's a game of deception, but it's not lying. I want you to consider how God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 8 to perform this particular attack. This is how Joshua 8 describes this. The Lord told Joshua to set up an ambush. He instructed him to hide 30,000 men on the west side of the city of Ai. And then he said, I want you to get 30,000 men, and I want you to attack the east side of Ai. And when the people see you attacking on the east side, they will come running out to attack you, and I want the men to run in fear. And when you're running, then the people on the west side, they'll pop up out of the bushes, and they will come in, and they will take the city. And so it was a form of trickery. It was a form of deception as an act of battle to take the city. Now, the point that I'm making is it was not a lie because God cannot lie, neither can he direct or tempt men to lie. But God did engage in this military form of trickery or deception. Clearly, there is a distinction between what happens in a basketball game or what God directed Joshua to do and telling a lie. So what's the difference? What's the difference in a lie and deception? Theologians have debated this for centuries. Some people have said this. Some people have said, well, lying is contrary to the nature of God, but in cases of war, he's evidently okay with it. Friends, I cannot accept that. I cannot accept that lying is contrary to the nature of God, but in war, he's okay with that. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says God cannot lie. That cannot be the solution to this problem. I think the answer lies elsewhere. That's why I say while, while all lying is deception, not all deception is lying. So how is a game or a military movement different from a person lying? I want to read you a quotation. Again, this is from the man Vern Poitras. He says that there is an important distinction between verbal and nonverbal actions. I'm going to read you a lengthy quote. Please bear with me. This is from him. 
He says, he's describing a man named Grudem. He says, Grudem describes a situation in which he leaves a light on in his house when he goes on a trip. He intends to confuse thieves, but he's not lying to them. If a friend sees the light on, he might infer that Grudem is at home. Yet later, if he learns that Grudem is in another city, he takes no offense. He knows that he just misinterpreted the meaning of the light. If, however, Grudem tells him that he will be at home, the friend can legitimately hold Grudem to his word. Verbal communication is different from leaving a light on or from setting an ambush or feigning a retreat. When no words are involved, physical actions have to be interpreted. You have to figure out and determine the meaning yourself. Does the action of a player charging in one direction mean that he will continue in that direction? Maybe, maybe not. A skilled opponent knows that the player might change direction, maybe multiple times. Does an army moving back and forth in a battle engagement indicate a retreat? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? The obvious interpretation may lie in one direction. But the interpreter must make the decision on his own. It is his decision. It is not dictated by the statement itself. Statements that are verbal, however, are true or they are false. By contrast, a football maneuver or a military maneuver is neither true nor false. The maneuver does not say anything except to the extent that the interpreter reads in some significance and he concludes what it says. You see what he's saying? If you make a statement, it's either true or false. If you take an action, it's left to the person's interpretation. He can interpret it one way or the other. Now, is that the answer to this question, the difference in lying and deception? Maybe so. I don't know. This is what I do know. God cannot lie. I do, however, read of God directing actions of deception, such as we read in Joshua chapter 8. Whatever the answer is, it cannot be that God is sometimes okay with lying because that is contrary to his nature. All right, here is point number three. Let's talk about some proofs. Is it ever right to lie? And of course, the answer is no. I want to give you seven statements very quickly that prove this. Number one, it is not right to lie because the Bible teaches that we are to be imitators of God and Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Be ye therefore followers of God, and God cannot lie. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says that Christ was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted, but he never told a lie. Friends, in every situation that we ever face, we need to ask the question, what would Jesus do? And the answer is, he would not lie. He did not lie. No matter how emotionally packed the situation was, no matter what the consequences were, Jesus never lied. Here is point number two, proof number two. Right and wrong are not determined by earthly consequences. Sometimes people say, well, we need to lie because the consequences would be very severe 
right and wrong are not determined by earthly consequences. Sometimes doing right is very costly. Jesus told the rich young ruler that doing right was going to cost him everything that he had. Doing right cost the Apostle Paul beatings and abuse. On one occasion, he was stoned to death. Doing right cost the Son of God his life. When we begin to determine right and wrong based on the outcome or the earthly consequences, we get things severely out of whack. We're looking at it backwards. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 says, Whoever commits sin transgresses the law, for sin is transgression of the law. That's how I have to determine right and wrong, by the Word of God. I can't look at the consequences and then work backwards. When I start doing that and looking at what God's Word says, I will determine that lying is always wrong. Next, Revelation 2 and verse 10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Sometimes we quote this in the plan of salvation. Here, believe, repent, confess... Be baptized, and then be faithful unto death, Revelation 2.10. The Bible doesn't say be faithful until death. It actually says be faithful unto death. It literally means be faithful even if you have to die to do so. Friends, the truth of the matter is that the truth is more important than life itself. God is the God of truth, Psalm 31.5, and I always want to be like the Lord. Again, I need to remember, fear not him who can kill the body, rather fear him who can kill the body and soul, Matthew 10 and verse 28. That is, don't fear physical death. Be afraid of sinning against God and losing your soul. Lying is always wrong. Here is the next one. Revelation 21 and verse 8, the Bible says, All liars have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. It doesn't say some liars. It doesn't say all except those who were in really tough situations. It doesn't say all except those who lied to protect human life. The Bible simply says all liars. Now, we can come up with all sorts of scenarios, but we've got to have a passage of the Bible that says it's okay, and there is not one. Lying is always wrong. Number five, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 says God cannot lie. I have to wonder, if lying is sometimes okay, why is it that God can never do it? Why is it that Jesus Christ never did it? Sometimes people will say, well, Don, lying is okay if it's a case of mercy. Mercy lying is all right with God. But the fact of the matter is, God is the God of mercy, and yet he cannot lie ever, under any circumstances, not even in cases of mercy. Why? Because it's inherently wrong, always. That's why he is always incapable of doing it. Next, the Bible teaches that Satan is the source of lying. John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil, the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Now listen to this. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources. What does that mean? When you lie, it comes from the devil. It's his resources. It comes from his bag of tricks. For he is the liar and the father of it. He is the originator of the lie. When the devil tells a lie, it comes from the devil. 
Matthew 5 and verse 37 says, Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Whatsoever is more than these is from the devil, is from the evil one. And so when I lie, that came from the devil. He's the source of lying. It comes from the evil one. I never tell a lie, and it comes from God. So to suggest that sometimes it's all right to lie is to suggest that sometimes it's all right not to follow God, but to follow the devil, and that he's okay with that. Friends, I reject that with every ounce of my being. And here's the final proof. The Bible says no matter what the situation, God will provide a way of escape. It was suggested to me by someone on an occasion who was trying to defend lying. He said, Don, sometimes you just have to choose the lesser of two evils. Friends, the Bible never says that we should choose the lesser of two evils. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. There is always a way of escape so that you don't have to do evil. Now, that might mean that you die, but there is a path that you can escape and not do evil. I can trust that the escape that God will provide me is not trading one sin for another. Lying is always wrong. That's why God can never do it. You know, the more I study this, the more I am convinced that it is a serious error for a Christian to hold that lying is sometimes right. It's a misunderstanding of God himself. Proverbs 6, 17 says God hates a lying tongue. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. They that deal truly, he delights in them. Psalm 31, 5, God is the God of truth. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 33 and verse 4, the word of the Lord is right, and all of his works are done in truth. Proverbs 13, 5, the righteous man hates lying. Perhaps the biggest lie of the devil to date has been to convince men that God is actually okay with it. As a child of God, I want to be like him. I never want to lie. Brethren, this is an easy thing to slip into. It is easy to fall into the trap of blurting out a lie sometimes before you've even caught yourself. I don't ever want to do that. Maybe you're here today, and you're a member of the Lord's Church. Maybe it has been your habit to tell lies in your life. Maybe there are some things that you need to correct publicly because of lying. Maybe, it, maybe you can take care of it privately and pray to the Father for forgiveness. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you have the greater need of obeying the gospel. The Bible teaches in order to become a child of God, a person needs to hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized in water for the remission of their sins. If that is your need today, we would be very pleased to help you with that. If you need to come forward and ask for the prayers of your brethren, we would be honored to do so. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song.